Welcome to the podcast for Westside at Jesus Church. We are a family of missionary disciples in West Portland who believe the church is not a religious subculture, but the making of a new humanity. It's not a building or a weekend activity, but a community of multi-ethnic, multi-generational men and women living out the light, love, and hope of Jesus to the world around us. We hope this episode encourages and empowers you to love, learn, and live the way of Jesus as we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome, friends. Welcome. We're so thankful to be worshiping with you this morning. Welcome. We are Jesus Church. We believe in putting Jesus front and center in all that we say, all that we do. We're here for him. My name is Tim McDonald. I'm lead pastor here. My name is Molly, and I'm the pastor of Pray here at a Jesus Church. That's right. Molly's leading us kind of into some of these new areas where we're praying and seeking to kind of pray together, even during the week, and more to come on that. But we'd love to have your, we'd love to have you participating with us as much as you can. So Last week, we began kind of the short series jumping into the vision here uh, at a Jesus Church. And what does it look like? What's, it, what's God called us to do? Who has he called us to be? How are we going to connect those two things together to change our day-to-day, our week-to-week? And we landed on this phrase, a King Jesus family, a place where we're forming a new type of community, a, a kingdom family, where Jesus is both at our center but we also are in submission to his ways. The thing about vision is that it calls us to live with a little bit of tension, doesn't it? It calls us to live in this kind of now and not yet space. Vision paints a picture of of what you want to see, a preferred future filled with hope and life. But we're not there yet. We live in this place, in this time, in, in our reality And it's a place where pain and suffering and just plain exhaustion is a part of our like everyday story, isn't it? Or maybe that's just me. You guys, any of you guys struggle with any of that? We we, we live in this reality. We want the reality of Jesus's way, truth and life, but we live in this in-between space, trying to find ways to to step forward into his future. Last week, uh, Carly entrusted us with her story a story that was marked with pain, but also marked with hope. Uh, It was filled with some suffering and trauma, but it was also filled with healing and and restoration and transformation. Uh, The reality is, is Carly entrusted us with that story for both ends of that spectrum. On the one hand, helping those that are here that are right in the thick of suffering, right in the thick of hurt, uh, to know that you're not alone. And I want, to, I want to make a point of saying this very clearly. If you are in a space, in a place right now where you, are, you feel trapped, alone, isolated in some suffering, in some pain, in some trauma, you are not alone. We are here for you. This church exists as a family to create a space, a safe place for people to come and share their stories Now, obviously, not all of them are going to be like how Carly shared her story, and we were so thankful for her courage and stepping into that, and and this is a part of where God is taking her on her journey. You know, sometimes we get kind of this mentality of like, if I could get all of my ducks in a row, then I'll start serving Jesus. Well, the reality is, is that's not going to happen, right? For all of us. 
And Carly just courageously has said, I want to use this story. If there are people there who my story can draw out of isolation into community, I want to use my story for that sake. But also, we want this to be a safe place for her too. And so we want to continue to honor her and the journey that God's had her on. And and I want to just invite you as friends to be praying for her uh, and just remembering that she's still in this midst of this journey because we are still all in process. We're still all on a journey of healing. And we have hope that God can take us from where we are in the now, in this reality, and turn us, transform us into something more, something whole. He brings healing. Jesus is so good at healing. Amen? So, I also want to make one other clear statement coming out of last week. For any of the mental and physical health professionals in the room, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I'll say it on behalf of Carly, on behalf of those out here, your part, your, the way that you come into the stories of people is essential. Jesus does this powerful, transformative work. He, he brings healing. He brings resurrection. But the path can be a long, long journey. And we need professionals to help us in that, whether you're a counselor, whether you're a doctor, we need you. So thank you for being a part of our story. So that being said, I want to move our conversation from this idea of vision and talk a bit about what are the values that help a King Jesus family function? What does it mean to put this into motion? What are, what are the things that we care about that help us say yes to the things we want to say yes to and no to the things that we need to say no to? Because that's super important. Otherwise, it's just a phrase. A King Jesus family is just a phrase. But the values that sit behind it shape how we do this community. Values are the, are the cult that kind of create the culture that pull the future into our present. They help us make it real. And though there are many values, the three primary values that we want to spend the next kind of few weeks kind of tackling are those of presence, formation, and creation. And this week, we're going to take a look at presence. So we're going to do a Bible study. If you need a Bible, go ahead and throw your hands up. Uh, there'll be a man, men or women around the room that'll get you a Bible. Uh, but we're going to be reading from Ezekiel 37. So if you would, join me in standing to your feet. I'm going to read the scriptures out. It'll also be on the screen. Ezekiel 36, verses 1 through 14, says this. The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones. And say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is the sovereign Lord. And he's speaking to the bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath in you and you will come to life. 
And then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath. Come from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and they stood on their feet, a vast army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and I bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. Father, we thank you for the fact that you are a God that looks on fields of dry bones and says, live. Because I think if we're gonna be honest, Lord, right now, sometimes we feel like we're those dry bones. We're tired, we're broken. There's so much going on around us. It feels like there's such a force against us. We feel like that field of dry bones, but you say, live. And Lord, we just say thank you. Would you come now in our midst, King Jesus? Be our shepherd, guide us. Spirit, fill us and give us your direction, your wisdom. We need to learn from you, you first and foremost. You are welcome here. Be our teacher, be our guide. And we pray this in your name, Jesus, with our eyes like fixed on you. We love you. Amen. Amen. So as Tim mentioned, we are gonna be spending the next few weeks leaning into the values that make us a Jesus church. Presence, formation, and creation. And today, we're gonna to be leaning into that value of presence. And for those of you who don't know me, if I were to describe the call of God on my life, it's to help others learn to become people of love through encounter and devotion to God. And so I do not take lightly the honor it is to share with you today, a King Jesus family, an invitation to encounter his presence in greater measure. And that invitation today, as we seek to become people filled with the power and presence of God, is to move from awareness to attentiveness. From awareness of God's existence to an attentiveness to the presence of God. And though that shift might feel small, it has the capacity to drastically impact the way we encounter God. The shift I'm talking about is kind of like this. Right now, in this moment, 
you are all aware that there are other people in the room. But your attention is fixed on me, hopefully. Or maybe you've been in a conversation with someone who does that thing where they grab their phone out in the middle of the conversation and you feel that shift from having their undivided attention to them merely being aware that you are there. The difference has never felt so strong in my life than having my son, Theo. Children are designed with this sensitivity to know when they have our full attention. Depending upon the disposition of your child, they will let you know when they've sensed that you've moved from giving them your attention to merely becoming aware that they are there. For me and my son, it looks like him screaming and squealing out, like, mom, pay attention to me. I'm the most important thing in your life. But it has become clear that we as a society have slipped into this troubling reality where we're aware of almost everything and yet it is the struggle of our life to give something our undivided attention. And as followers of Jesus, we are not immune to the influence that distraction has on our lives. We are just as distracted. Dallas Willard put it well when he said this, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. Friends, distraction has become an epidemic. A recent study by Microsoft concluded that the human attention span has dropped to eight seconds, shrinking almost 25% in just the past few years. And that actually drops us below the goldfish, who has an attention span of nine seconds, and so it is no longer an insult to say that we have an attention span of a goldfish because they are beating us out. But the same study, it showed that the average amount of time spent on Netflix is 3.2 hours a day. So there's just this discrepancy that we feel in these statistics, right? We can't focus on anything longer than eight seconds, and yet we can spend time watching a movie or a show for over three hours. And I think it's because we are tired. We are so tired. And the energy required to devote attention to things that are life-giving often require a bit more effort than sitting and staring and watching or scrolling. Does anyone else feel that tug every once in a while, like a spark of desire lights up in your soul to go read the scriptures or pray or go on a walk with God, but then you find yourself sitting, staring, scrolling, watching, whatever it is, because, ooh, I just don't have the capacity for that right now. The brain power, the soul power that would be required to make that happen feels like an energy that we just don't have in and of ourselves. I want you to know that that is human. You are in a room full of people, whether they're admitting it to themselves or not. Do that same thing over and over again. And to be honest with you, this past season, has been marked by the gift of my son, Theo, the happiest and most charming baby, not biased at all, but he doesn't know how to sleep. Up every two hours, sometimes every 45 minutes in the night, this season of life coming up on six months has been tough on me. I'm a sleepy gal, my community knows like eight plus hours of sleep. If there's an invitation to go out at like 9 p.m. or on, you're receiving a no from me and they know that by now. But in this season, I've been giving in to the way of distraction 
and sitting and staring and watching because I am so tired. But research shows you don't need to have a baby to feel the fatigue that our society feels. The pace of life that we've resorted to, consumerism, materialism, this live to work mentality. These are all idols that are blocking us from life to the full on the other side. And we have this beautiful invitation on offer to move from a mere awareness of God's existence to an attentiveness to his presence. And most of us in this room would say, yeah, I want that. But maybe put a better way, I want to want that. But I just can't get myself there. It's like we're missing the heart that has capacity for it. Back in 590 BC, the prophet Ezekiel, he's living amidst of a time of political tension and rebellion and deep unrest. And the Israelites, God's people, they were living in idolatry. They too had things that were blocking them from life to the full in God on the other side. And so God, he commissions Ezekiel, a prophet, to call people back into relationship with God. And there, in that call, God promises to give them new hearts and to place his spirit within them. They were once dead and now receive new life and capacity to love and obey God, to give their full attention to God alone. And so he brings Ezekiel over to this valley with this pit of dry and rotted bones as an image for Israel's spiritual state, asleep, dry, spiritually dead. And then God starts to fasten these bones back together, draping muscle over the bones and skin over the, bus over the muscles. And then he breathes on them, which scripturally is a sign of life that we can trace all throughout the Bible. And he brings what once was dead alive again. Let me read this last section of Ezekiel 37 again. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. Therefore, Ezekiel prophesied to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel and then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. And I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And I've done it, declares the Lord. Friends, our God is the same God back in 590 BC who saw the state of hopelessness and despair and distraction in his people and chose to bring them back to life through his spirit in order that they might have capacity to give all of their attention to God alone. The heart of God is to bring life where there was once death to breathe on our dry bones so that we can move from awareness of his existence to saying yes to full attention to the presence of God. So my question to you, a King Jesus family, is this. Will we settle for a preoccupied and distracted version of life with God? Or will we seek to allow all of our life to be a response to the Spirit's invitation to fix our attention on the presence of God? 
Will we say yes to the God who wants to bring life back into your dry, distracted, hopeless, and tired hearts? To wake us up and to give us new hearts and ignite the spirit of God that is already in you to tune in to a life oriented around the presence of God. It's our desire here as a leadership community to be a people that prioritize the presence of God in our everyday lives in order that we can encounter God's presence in greater measure. But we cannot muster up enough striving out of our own strength to crowbar our attention back to God over and over and over again. We need God to breathe life back in us to give us his spirit, his Holy Spirit, which he has promised he has already done, to expand our capacity to fix our attention on him. And the overflow of that reality is that God breathes life back into our bones. We are formed as an Ephesians 2 community like Tim talked about last week, a dwelling place for God's spirit, a community of love, not just to God, but to one another as well. And so Tim's gonna chat a little bit about what that looks like. Yeah, because that's, that's kind of the key here, isn't it? Like God does this incredible work in us, but so often, like we talked about last week, we receive for the purpose of giving. We have been blessed to be a blessing. Um, what, what makes this value of attendance to God's presence so key for us as a King Jesus family is that God himself has chosen to partner with us. His presence, which brings his way, his truth, his life, it's available to us to be shared. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Paul is talking to the Corinthians and, and he talks about these, how the gifts that are given by the Spirit to his people are actually for the common good. They're, they're not to be hoarded, they're not to be just held onto, but they're to be given away. And later in chapter 14, Paul explaining kind of how the specifics of uh, prophetic gifting works. He says this in verse 3, 14 verse 3. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. The call of this passage is like a call of radical otherness. These words that we receive from God, whether they're from the scriptures or whether they're from a, a picture or an idea that God's placed in your mind, or maybe even from your own story that God has given you from your own life, they're, they're given to us to strengthen others, to give courage to others, to, to bring comfort to others. And the thing is, this only happens when we learn how to set aside our agendas to set aside our own motives, our own ambitions, our own desire to look good and to seek God's leading for another, to truly listen to their heart. But again, like Molly was saying, the problem is, is we live in this super distracted world. And so we, we live in this place where more often than not, I'm simply waiting for you to finish what you're saying so that I can say something. Anybody else have that experience? Maybe it's just me right? We've all been there, right? You're talking to somebody and it's clear because they're like almost forming the words on their lips. They're just waiting for you to stop so that they can jump in, right? I have to, I have a little confession to make. Um, I sometimes, when I see this happening to the person in front of me, will just keep talking. 
I just kind of, it's almost like, I don't know anybody does fly fishing. It's like a little lure. I just kind of keep dragging along. How long can I keep them going? But, but it's just, it's a, 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 like, how long can I do that? I know that might seem, seem cruel and why would a lead pastor be cruel? But it's kind of fun. It's entertaining. Um, anyways, we've all been there, right? We, or, or we've been that person. I mean, more often than not, I am that person. In full disclosure, this is an area that God has been working on in my heart. I mean, I work with a lot of people. And sometimes I come across, I'm in a conversation with somebody and I hear their story and I hear what's happening with them. And because I've worked with so many people, I can place a situation quicker than I should. I come to a conclusion, oh, this could mean this. In the midst of becoming more attentive to God's presence in me, I am learning to become more attentive to God's presence moving in the life of the person in front of me. And, and thus, more attentive to them. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of this. I've had actually two questions that were given to me by a friend that have been very helpful for me as I kind of have been working this out in my own life. Question number one, what is this person in front of me really saying? What is their deepest yearning? See, sometimes when we're in conversation, we kind of can settle for that surface thing. But if I, in my own heart and mind, ask that question, what's, what's the deeper thing going on here? What, what's really on their heart? In a world that's constantly talking and constantly throwing information at us, a King Jesus family is a place where we allow people to be heard, really heard. A couple weeks back, uh, Jenny shared this quote from David Oxberger. It's just beautiful. And he says this, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, they are almost indistinguishable. Now think about the ramifications of that in a society that is just constantly wanting to be the one that's speaking. What does it mean to be the people that listen, that really listen? I uh, just a couple days ago was in a conversation with a young pastor. He's a church planner from New Zealand, an amazing young man. Uh, he's, him and his wife of two, two little kids, two under three. Uh, and they've been a part of this church, stepping into the life of this church. And he's laying out, talking to me about kind of their story and, and how their life works. And he's like working four days a week at the church and working two days a week at this firm so that he can help pay for the working at the church. And his wife is working almost full time. And as he's talking this out, I can see it in his eyes. Like just the desperation for margin. The desperation to... To, to find space in their life. And I kind of wanted to say that right away, but then I realized actually his greatest need in that moment was just to be heard. Just to have somebody sit in front of him and say, like this, that's hard. That is hard. Can I pray with you? Like that's difficult. Our, our church, our family here is growing into becoming that kind of a space. There we, we allow people the space to simply hear their story, not try to fix everything. Sometimes it's going to be really uncomfortable, but allowing people to have that, the respect, the, the, the gift of a listening ear. Second question that I found has been super helpful for me is what is God's heart for this person in front of me? What's his deepest yearning for them? 
you know, beyond my kind of earthly wisdom and the things that come into my mind. I mean, God's thoughts are so far beyond mine and beyond my own, even my own uncomfortable feeling of like, oh, I don't know what to do with this situation. You know, his capacities are so far beyond mine. Why wouldn't I get his input into this conversation in front of me? A number of years back, Brittany and I used to live uh, at, across the street from a flower shop. And this flower shop was the flower shop that I would go to to get my wife flowers for those special occasions. All the young marrieds in the room, just saying, that's a good, that's a good habit to put in place. And honestly, I, I started going there pretty regularly. It was a great little shop. The lady behind the counter had just kind of a magic eye, an artist's eye for pulling together my measly like $7 and turning it into something beautiful. Like, you know, she was incredible. And for a brief little time, the shop closed down. They were doing some remodeling. And so I had to go find another place. And frankly, it just wasn't as good. Uh, and it was partially because this young lady who owned the shop just had a passion and a heart for this. And so once it finally opened back up, I went across the street and I brought out my, I think I had $8 that day and said, hey, can I, can I, can, can I pull together these like three flowers? And, um, and she pulled together this just beautiful bouquet. And in that moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, tell her how valuable she is. Tell her what a gift this is for you as a husband, for you as, as a person that lives in this community. So I was like, oh, okay, God, I'm not sure how to do that and not be weird and awkward, but I just stepped into it. As I was paying for it, I just simply said, hey, I know you guys were closed for a while. I went and checked out another shop and I just want to say thank you. Like the way that you pour your heart into making something beautiful I just want you to know, like, we notice it. Like, I notice it. People in this community notice it. Thank you. Her eyes just went full, full of tears. Now, partially it's because we live in a society that nobody says thank you anymore. But partially it was because somebody spoke life. And those weren't, that wasn't my life that I was giving to her. That was the Holy Spirit. And I don't know where she's at in her journey with God. But what I do know is in that moment, God said, I love this person and I value them. Could you tell them that? How often are we given those gifts of those moments where we can step into the story of another and bring God's heart to them? How much easier it is for her journey as a person maybe trying to follow or trying to seek out this God if she knows that this God is actually seeking out her. Remember the story from last week Carly shared with us. There was this moment, I remember we were sitting right there and Britt was like, oh, she's gone. Should I, go, should I go find her? And she literally, like Carly mentioned, went and chased her out in the parking lot, right? It was because God had given her this little gift from, from him to give to her. And it changed the entire trajectory of that story because because Brittany showed up with all these wise words to share? No, because she showed up with God's heart. I mentioned this last week, but we have been crafted, we've been pulled together, one part the dust of this earth, one part divine breath, pulled into one being. And just like, just like Jesus pulled, was pulled into a being. Like we've been pulled into that being. And so we are connected to this world, this community, of this place, and yet with his heart and his, his spirit speaking in us. And our job as followers of Jesus, as a part of this King Jesus family, is to 
bring those things together. Bring the dust into the divine to create space for God to encounter his people. So Molly, how do we take this with us? So as a teaching team, we highly value both bringing inspiration and motivation to your daily life with God, but we don't wanna just leave you hanging on a Sunday. We actually wanna equip you with what this can look like throughout your week with tangible tools and resources. And so for today, I just wanna unpack a little bit about what this could look like for you. What does this look like tomorrow, this week, a month from now even? And it starts with this, taking everyday, ordinary moments and allowing our attention to be fixed on the gift of life before you and taking time to connect it to the giver of life himself. One of my favorite books of all time, The Practice of the Presence of God, it's a really short book. I highly encourage you all to read it. Brother Lawrence, he says this, the most holy and important practice in the spiritual life is the presence of God. That is every moment to take great pleasure that God is with you. So it looks like taking time as you're washing dishes to be grateful for the dirty plates that once were filled with food and thank God for provision. Or maybe you're doing your bedtime routine with your babes and the simple moment of reading a book generates a gratitude to the giver of life who formed them. Or right now, despite all odds of getting to church, you are here with breath in your lungs to worship, to learn, and to pray as a community. It looks like walking into your favorite coffee shop and asking for God's heart for the person in front of you, the gift of life, connecting it to the giver of life himself. And it looks like praying, come Holy Spirit. We are aware that you are always with us but turn our attention towards you, what you're doing, what you are saying. Come, Holy Spirit. It's saying yes to God's invitation to be attentive to his presence and to the people around you, connecting the gift of life before you to the giver of life himself. So practice that this week. I'm actually not asking you to do anything in addition. It's taking the life you already live, slowing down for just a moment to acknowledge the things in front of you as gifts connecting them back to the giver of life. So that's the invitation this week. But we also sense that God is inviting some people right here, right now, speaking to your hearts. And part of living out a vision as a community here, as a King Jesus family, is actually making some changes to the way we create space to encounter God on a Sunday. If presence is gonna be a value that drives our culture forward, we want to practice what we preach. So we traditionally have had prayer on the walls, on the margins of this gathering space. But we want our practice to match our values in the way we do prayer ministry. And prayer is a primary vehicle for encounter with God. So if we say we prioritize the presence of God, then we wanna demonstrate that by allowing prayer to be upfront and central to what we do here on a Sunday. You might have noticed that there are some new rugs here in this space. We wanna mark this space as an opportunity to come forward and receive from God his goodness, his presence, his mercy. And this does two things as we place prayer up front. It makes prayer priority in this space 
And it gives all of us an opportunity to see God move in the lives of our family. The one thing that has grieved my heart as we've had prayer on the walls, which has been so powerful and so effective, is that it's often behind us. And so we don't get to see God at work in the lives of our brothers and sisters. And so moving prayer to the front gives us an opportunity to see the God at work in the lives of the people that we call family and say, he can move in my life too. So for some, this might be familiar. Maybe you've gone to churches that put prayer at the front. And for others, this might be brand new. That is okay. We are learning together as a community. But I'm gonna lead us through each moment. And it starts by acknowledging that God is already in this room, moving in your hearts. And so what I'm going to do, not now, but in a moment, is to say, if God is speaking to you, you're gonna come forward, feet planted on these rugs, hands open to God. I'm gonna pray and welcome the Holy Spirit and we're gonna wait and give some time for God to lead us. And the team has been uh, praying and sensing that there might be some specific invitations for people in the room, some invitations from God. And so I'm gonna share those. And if they resonate with you, the way I want you to say yes to God is to come forward for prayer. If God is inviting you into something today, we don't wanna miss it. We don't wanna skip over it, miss out on it, forget it as we walk out those doors. We wanna mark it as an opportunity to say yes in obedience to him, that God is moving in our lives and we want more of him.